Van Life. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together, we are FNA Van Life. This is the podcast where every week we talk to a nomad or share you news from nomadic community so that you can know what it's really like to live life on the road. So depending on the lifestyle that you want to live and who you are and the things that you do, you could find that here on our podcast. We've talked to all different types of nomads, from rock climbers to people who just literally like are kind of um, introverted into their van. Literally every type of person. Yeah, and it's so nice to get to chat with some friends, whether they're new, whether they're old, whether we've only met them on the internet. And today's guests are our internet friends, Andy and Laura. And our internet friends for quite some time, I feel like. Yeah, we watched them build their van. We watched them get on the road. It's been really cool to see their journey, you know, being on the road now and the transitions that they've had since, you know, starting full-time van life. I think there's a lot of assumptions about you know, what life on the road is really like versus what life on the road is actually like. And Andy and Laura are going to break that all down in today's episode. But first, let's give an update from the road. Whew, man, the road has been wild for us lately. Going through Mexico, having all those little issues pop up. It kind of seems like that there was something out there trying to pull us down, but we were not letting that happen. You could catch up on the YouTube channel. Um, and we just made it to Guadalajara in the videos. Um, yeah, Guadalajara was very special to us. Yeah. That was probably one of my favorite cities in all of Mexico. We, you can't really take your RV into the city, but we parked, you know, there's a rim that goes around the whole city just to give you a visual. It's basically a town that has been built into a valley. There used to be a river running through it, uh, but they've since moved the irrigation and stuff. And so there's a ton of tunnels and really cool pathways for the water to flow through the city. But basically, you've got all of these beautifully painted, colorful homes built up into the mountainside. And then there's a ring road around the whole thing. And we're going to get into that in the video. We're going to actually go on like a historical trip in the video. So this Monday, make sure that you guys tune in. It's really cool. You're going to find out about how there's actually, Guanajuato is basically like three cities. But the new city is built on top of the two other ones that are underneath it. Very cool. I think that's the coolest thing about traveling down in countries where, I don't know, we didn't really learn about when we were kids, you know, I feel like a lot of people's impression of Mexico is kind of like Cancun or like Acapulco and it's like party and beach and, you know, what happens in Mexico stays in Mexico. I'm sure there's plenty of that in Guadalajara. I mean, Guadalajara was popping at night, it sounds Yeah, for sure. We just don't really enjoy (laughs) the nightlife as much. Yeah, we don't. We're we're old people. We don't part. I shouldn't say we don't enjoy. We don't partake in it. Uh, at, like we used to when we were in our 20s. I feel like somebody we were hanging out with would have to be like, let's go. And then we'd be like, okay. Yeah. But when it's just the two of us, it's not even on the table. It's not like, oh, hey, babe, you want to go to a nightclub tonight? <laughs> just the two of us. <laughs> not going out to nightclubs tonight. Just the two of us. Watching Netflix. <laughs> true that, true that. <laughs> Yeah, so, but we're having a really great time. Uh, the videos on YouTube are a little bit behind us because we've actually entered into a new country. Ooh, baby. What country are we in now? We are in Guatemala, which is so cool, and we're excited to bring you all of the little differences that we've been noticing between Mexico and Guatemala, and we've only been here for, like, one or two days, and we basically spent them, 
you know, crossing the border is like a whole day of that plus driving and, you know, stress and paperwork and all that kind of stuff. Sleeping at a McDonald's parking lot. Yeah. You know, all the good things. Yeah. And then yesterday we spent the whole day kind of trying to get our service set up and, you know, all the little things that we needed to do to get settled. The thing is, when you make it to a new country or a new city, there's always like this, definitely a new country. There's this like aspect of life that you have to try to figure out, like cell phone service and all these little things. Even just like, what is the grocery store called? Yeah. And what's the different pharmacies they have? Because in Mexico, they had different pharmacies for your needs. So like this pharmacy would have actual like uh, medication medication, where the next one would only have like toothpaste stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. And so we're definitely on a learning curve, but that was the whole point of this nine countries in nine months was to break us out of our comfort zone, to explore new cultures, to learn new things about the world. And so we're really excited to kind of dive into Guatemala and we're going to be sharing all of that with you in the coming weeks. What I think is so amazing about Guatemala is I think we're going to get more into like volcanoes and like volcanic stuff than, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Mexico doesn't have that as much as uh, here in Guatemala. And I think it's just like, it changes things a bit. It changes the feeling just a bit. Yeah. Well, even right now we're at like 8,000 feet elevation. More. More? Nine. Wow. Yep. That's crazy. So we're acclimatizing as well. I don't know if you guys have any experience getting to elevation, but for me, it takes like at least a day to feel like a normal human being. So well, I'm pretty certain when we head in more into the country, we're going to be going to Lake Atatlan, and I'm pretty sure that it's even higher. Really? Yeah. So I think that we wind up being over 10,000 feet uh, when we get to the cities over in Lake Atatlan. Wow. So lots to look forward to here. But today we're going to get into this really awesome conversation with Andy and Lore. They're some of our favorite nomads creating content on the road. So definitely go check them out. We'll have all of their links down below. And yeah, let's get right into it. Absolutely. We're really excited. We've been following you guys online since like way before you got into the van and you were just building and it's been really exciting to see your journey. And I love how you guys share so honestly online about everything that's going on. So why don't you guys take us kind of back to the beginning of like, where did this like spark of an idea of van life come from? And then how did it like materialize into the life that you're living today? Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> Let's go back, back, back. Yeah, re- rewind a little bit. So I think it really started when Andy and I first started dating. That was when the seed was planted. And we had met in college. My childhood best friend is went to college with Andy. And was one of my really good friends in college. And so I would go down to the University of Delaware from New York City, where I was studying musical theater. And it was like my true college experience where I got to go to frat parties, Andy's frat being one of them. And we were very friendly and then continued to run into each other over the years, given we had this mutual friend and connection. And then at her wedding was when things got romantic. Got spicy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And ended up with us like... At 4 a.m. on the roof of this bar, which I always tell people there was a ladder from the ground to the roof. So they were just begging for it to be climbed. It it made sense. (laughs) And and I knew that Andy was about to take this really awesome, like, journey to South America. He had... Yeah, 
I'll let you talk on that. Yeah, definitely. So actually this the, the same job I'm in now, um, they allowed me to work like remote. I mean, this is like 2018. So before the pandemic, uh, and I just wanted to like take advantage of being remote. Um, so I planned this trip through South America, like over three months, three and a half months, something like that. It's getting, uh, fuzzy on the details. Um, so yeah, I, I had this like whole trip planned. Uh, Lauren and I, you know, kind of had like a spark a month before that trip, but I kind of told her all about it. And I think you were really like, thought it was really cool. Yeah, I was also working remote at the time. And so I ended up visiting him in Colombia for a weekend. And that trip went so well that I went back a month later and spent a week in Peru. And we were working our full-time jobs, but like in Peru, one Tuesday night, we got to go to the number five best restaurant in the world. We just walked in because like a table canceled. And it showed us how awesome being like a digital nomad could really be. Where I'm like, we can keep our jobs, we can earn this income, but we can travel the world. And it was something that was very like something I loved to do, something Andy obviously loved to do. Yep. Um, the one issue that I had in on, on my end was Cookie. So we had I had a dog, Cookie. She's now our dog, but it was mine at the time. And I knew that she wasn't going to be able to fly with us everywhere. She's like a big bully breed. Um, she's not very well behaved, so well wasn't going to fly. And I think, and then I had also had this dream of like traveling and seeing all 50 states. So it was like finding out that we could work remote and travel and have it be fine. And my dream of traveling all 50 states. And I think we then just found van life the way everyone does, like on YouTube. I'm yeah. pretty sure Eamon and Beck and Allie, um, Trent and Allie were like the first YouTubers we started looking at. And in the months, um, I flew back from Peru and while Andy was still traveling, I was just doing research like every day, like what van could we get and what could we afford and what was the best vehicle. And it really started from there, but I was in a 19 month lease that I had just signed. Oh man, that's a long lease. Yeah. Well, because they gave me a deal because it was a $3,000 a month apartment. And they were like, if you stay 19 months, we'll take that 3000. And so it ended up being only 2,600 a month that I was sharing with a roommate at the time. And Which so is very New York, very New York. Oh, and it was like the crappiest apartment you've ever seen. I like yeah. slept next to the trash and like oh, yeah. smell urine and like hear rats in the walls, but I paid $1,300 a month. For this. That's like a great deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, now that apartment is like two thousand dollars each. Like it's a four thousand dollars apartment instead of a three thousand dollars apartment. Yes. Oh, it's gotten so crazy. Um, and the infrastructure has not gotten better. No. Um, I New York living though did teach me how to live tiny, and so I was already living tiny, but I was just spending all this money, and so van life just made like such natural sense. We love to travel. Yeah. We both had remote jobs at the time. Um. His job was already letting him travel the world and had, there was no issue with it. Yeah. So all like the puzzle pieces, I feel were there, uh, where it made sense. Um, yeah. And then this leads us into 2020. So my lease, right. Like ended May of 2020, we had all these plans to move and build the van out in Western PA with, um, someone Andy knew from his job actually, who had rental properties out there. Just like an hour, like uh, north of Pittsburgh. So yeah, out out in Western PA. And then the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. It was like eight hours from New York City. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but then the pandemic hit, and 
that it kind of just made even more sense then. And we were that, already planning yeah. on getting out to Pittsburgh. Like, I, I think we, we just left New York a month early, uh, just with the pandemic shutting everything down. We're like, all right, there's there's nothing left for us here to do. There's not, yeah, everything's closed. So let's just like get out to Pittsburgh. Let's get this started. Yeah. Yeah. We were living in our like small two bedroom. Andy had moved in for six months to help save us money. And it was like three humans and a dog. I lost my job. My roommate lost his job. Like a can of sardines in there. It was awful. So yeah, by May we were like, okay, we're just going to cut, cut it. We'll pay our last month rent and get out um, a little bit early. And then we started building. And then from there, now all of a sudden everyone's building a van and it was awesome. So we got to learn so much more from all of our friends who were doing it at the same time. Definitely. You, yeah. you all were doing it already though, right? Cause you've been doing this for now three years. Yeah, we were already on the road in 2019, the very end of 2019. We were uh, trying to snowboard every epic and icon mountain in North America. We wound up doing 71 mountains in one season, which is like oh. a world record, but it's not really recognized anywhere. Um, well, also, we were supposed to make it to 83. Yes. So we got cut off. Like the pandemic, like we snowboarded, got back to the van, got an email from the past, Icon like Icon Pass, that was like, uh, starting today, everything is closed. And yep. we were like, oh, sure. Cool. cool. So I guess our, our, our plan is over. And we were in like Tahoe area and we were trying to figure out like where to go next. And my sister was living in Washington and Bremerton area uh, at the time. So like kind of really close to Seattle, which was like the epidemic of like everything ongoing at that moment. But that's right. where we went. So we we're like, we're going there anyway. So, you know, so we wound up staying at my sister's house for about 50 days. And then uh, once everything started to like reopen again, we were back on the road. It was actually the absolute best time to travel because there was nobody out. And like you would randomly run into other nomads and they were like, when was the last time you seen anybody? And we're like, it's been at a least while. two weeks. And they're like, us too. And like, so we were so excited <laughs> to like People. actually hang out with somebody, you know? So yeah. what was it like building in this time? We thought we were going to have our build time. We were like, because we had all these weddings for the summer plan that we were going to have to go back and forth. That to, are now just like canceled. That are canceled. And so we're like, this is perfect. We're in the middle of nowhere, PA. We can no just, distractions. no distractions. All of our weekend plans are now canceled. We're going to get this done in six months. Six months. I think we were a little too excited by it because I think we took like a weekend to enjoy Pittsburgh. We were like, we have all this time. Yeah, no. we got this. Six months came. I think we had just done the floor. Maybe the wow. insulation. Yeah. Nine months rolls around and we're like barely done. I think you were battling the electric system at that time. And Probably. Andy's like, we're not going to be done in a year. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we have to be done in a year. Or I don't want to stay out here any longer. And we had kind of told, but our friend was very kind and he was the one, um, we actually had a really great deal. Not only did we have a house to stay in, but he remodels houses himself. And so he lent us most of his tools. Yeah. Unfortunately, as this project elongated, he needed to now use the tools. We did our whole build for a good year with just a circular saw and a jigsaw well that's the thing i feel like we could have gotten a lot more progress like this is the first i don't know besides maybe like a birdhouse in like middle school like neither of us built had a birdhouse. Built no no i didn't do any of that yeah 
Okay. And like yeah. electrical is brand new to you. We have a propane system as well. So just like everything involved with yeah. that was brand new. Yeah, we were like living in New York City. I've been there 13 years. Annie had been there six or seven. We like didn't even change our own light bulbs, you right. know? In hindsight, though, I think what would have like moved things along a little bit faster. We just didn't have like the right tools. Like we Lauren said, right tools, we built no, the whole definitely. damn thing with like a jigsaw and like a circular saw when like, I don't know, there's tools out there that just like make cuts super easy. That, um, we finally caved and bought our miter saw after a year. And we were like, why didn't we have this the whole time? Yeah. So uh, we moved back to the East Coast where our parents are, Andy's. It, it, dad's in, in Scranton area my parents are in like central Jersey yep. um and so then we were living between our parents for the final six months trying to just get was everything it done. it was six months yeah that's crazy before yeah because we kind of got back in May we had what we had more weddings now yeah. all of their COVID <laughs> weddings had been pushed and so this is summer of 2021 um we took the van out we met Megan and Matt in yeah, PA yeah. And our kitchen like wasn't even finished and our water got shut off. So Matt was like doing dishes for us. They were so kind. Um, they were like, this is the coffee maker you need. And then we took like another few months to do finishing touches and go to our final wedding in October. And we hit the road October of 2021, October 15th. Yep. Nice. That's awesome. So but basically this whole time you're still working your full-time jobs as you're building. Yes. Oh, yeah. So that was another part. The, the whole build took part like weekends and from like 5 p.m. like yeah. onwards, like at night. We did yeah. nothing for like a good nothing for a full year except wake up. Sometimes Andy would go out to the van at like 6 a.m. to do some work, yeah. work our nine to five, starting at five, start working on the van. And then all weekends, every weekend, just wake up, work on the van, go to sleep. And in the, the middle of that, you just like think that that's just like life. Like oh, that's just going to be life for for eternity you know like yeah, just waking up getting some work done working a job working more on the van at night and they just seemed like like for such a long time there's just like no end in sight for that um yeah yeah that's like that's just like a crazy we definitely had the moment that maybe a lot of like first-time van builders have where you're like what did we get ourselves into like we went right out into the deep end we bought this van with our savings having never lived in a van before having never built before and like we just full sent it and i think like towards a nine month mark i was like maybe we made a mistake i don't know like this is i'm miserable Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people have that yeah yeah it was so it was one of the hardest things that we've ever done and Mm -hmm. Granted, I think we've lived a very cushy and privileged life to be able to say that, but it was very hard, way harder than it looks online, as is everything. Uh, um, and it really I, did push us to our limits in terms I of totally, I could totally agree with you. The first van build that Alex and I did, we were both working full-time nine to fives. And, and commuting like commuting. an hour plus. Oh, like, I, I lived in South Brooklyn. So I lived like uh, basically Past Coney by Coney Island. Co- yeah, basically by Coney Island. Down, and I yeah. had to yeah. commute all the way into uh, work. So it was like an hour and a half just to get to the city if you're driving. If you're taking bus and train, it's like two hours. So uh, on like a normal day, I would travel for about three hours per day to go oh to the God. city and back home. So I wouldn't really get home till like, I don't know, 6.30 at night uh, to then start working on the van. And then I could only work on the van for about two hours and then have to shut it down because the lady next door would get pissed, you know, if I'm out there cutting things. 
Yeah. But then I feel like right. you have to have this single-minded focus of like the only thing that matters is finishing this van. Yeah, like, so I don't have time for friends. I don't have time to spend money on anything that is not this van. I don't have time to like go anywhere or do anything that's not related to the van. Yeah. Do you I, feel like your like friends and family were supportive of that? Are you loving our podcast? Well, we have a way for you to get one more a month. By joining our Patreon community, you get exclusive access to a one-hour podcast ad-free every single month that does a deep dive into what it's really like to live on the road. Depending on which tier you select, you could even get free merchandise. Check out the link below and join the Patreon community today. You also get access to tons of behind-the-scenes content from our YouTube channel, too. Now back to the podcast. Once we got building, uh, I think everyone was super supportive. I think originally, like, us pitching the idea that we were, your, like, going to buy this van. Yeah. Yeah. Not not so much on board then. But I think once we got the van and everyone, like, knew we were serious and, like, building this thing. Yeah. My dad came out a few yeah. weekends to help. Uh, your brother came out a few weekends to help. My brother lived in Central PA at the time, so he was three hours away. And he's very handy. He's an electric. Uh, oh, he's a, he's a chemical engineer. But I feel like engineers engineer just mine. have. Yeah. That mind. Yeah, mindset. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, exactly. I majored in tap dancing. Like I had no business building a band. <laughs> you knew yeah. how to tap dance around the project. <laughs> I think when <laughs> things got really stressful, that's what I did. I was like, what do I do? <laughs> um and so that's yeah, our, our parents were very supportive. And then they let us like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good sandpaper hand, you know? <laughs> All of the painting fell to me immediately. I was like, I got this. You you were an expert sander. Expert sander, expert painter, and shellacker putting the primer on. Um, um but that really helped. Yeah, having everyone support. I mean oh yeah, for sure. I mean, my I had friends come out too and help with the uh my our friend Warren, who yeah, yeah. how we met, um, help with friend. our solar installation. And then his dad and my parents let us use their house for the final six months of the project. So they were letting us just like live in their driveway, um, build in their driveway. Yeah. And that was really crucial too, because again, we didn't have to pay rent for those six months. And then that was more money we could put into the van while we were still working full time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I did end up losing my job towards the end of the summer, which was then kind of beneficial because I was looking to leave that job anyway. Um, and I got to spend some time like doing our tile backsplash. That I was, was <laughs> a day project for me. It is much easier to do when you aren't working full time because like you said, um, the commuting, I mean, I don't know how people commute. I know people who commute to their vehicles to build it. And it just like that would take so much energy out of me um and like sometimes those two hours you just need to figure out what you're doing so you end up spending those two hours and nothing is done or you realize you did something you have to redo it the next day we had that happen that sucks tears yeah immediately cried (laughs) i remember getting into our first van and going on our first trip and going to start up the water system and it leaked everywhere it like literally (laughs) blasted me in the face yeah like we're it's winter and we're like trying to leave today and he turns it on and i just get like a straight shot to the face of like pipes exploding and i'm like this is not okay i'm like remind you i i'm an ac mechanic by trade so like i've done plumbing i've done all these different things but in a van it's just different you know yeah. what i mean and yeah. there was there was like a line that was open at the moment 
and we just the connection just wasn't. I think on. the water filter was the problem. Like yeah. we installed, so we put like, like a piece of the water filtration system in backwards or something, okay. and then when it turned no, on, the gasket was, wasn't right. What happened was is the light, the light wasn't like we had a, um, a, UV, a UV light, light and the UV okay. light wasn't in place. Everything else was together, and when I turned it on. <laughs> But I turned it on, it squirted out of the where the UV light would be and hit Alex right in the face. And then she's like, Shut it down. Direct it. Yeah, direct it. And then but when we got that in and we got that all situated, we didn't it, have water for the was first like, like month of our travel. Then there was a leak on the connection. We fixed that. And then we get out to a really cold area because we're snowboarding mountains and we're up in like yeah, right. where I think we were in like Vermont or PA or something like that. And it was Vermont. It was Trent. Trent. We're in Vermont right now. Yeah, we are. Oh, no wonder you're wearing a turtleneck. We're like so oppositely dressed. I'm yeah. naked. I'm basically naked right now. <laughs> right now, yeah. <laughs> Once again, really- I'm sorry, but it's very hot here. No, um, I'm So, so, but like, yeah, just turn it on the connection, and then our water lines froze. So then we had the faucet froze and then the faucet was just like leaking out everywhere. And like, so then we basically, we had to circle back to New York to like take everything out and kind of like redo it. Yeah. But we finished that. uh, Oh, we also had like a $5 pump or for Amazon instead of having like a shore flow. So that was a huge issue. And uh, yeah, I couldn't like adjust it. So it was like overpressurizing um yeah it was just really weird so that was our first two weeks of van life it was nuts it was just like but we enjoyed it still with everything going crazy yeah definitely. and i feel like that's a pretty standard like first few weeks of van life where like nothing or our first weekend of like officially we had like our meetup with megan and matt when our kitchen wasn't done and our water had turned off because we had turned the thing in the wrong the thing was off the flow was off we're sitting racking our brains like literally we just didn't turn the pipe on um and then when everything was finally built we went out to virginia that was our first state we did shenandoah and we immediately got stuck in the mud day two yeah i remember watching those videos yeah and i was like what on earth you know you spend all this time doing the vandal and you're like i'm finally out on the open road and then you're like and there's issues that we have to figure out and work around um that the getting stuck in the mud was it was so rough in the moment and then like everyone just rallied behind us we had like 15 strangers come up just to the various like hikers in the parking lot like finishing up or getting started with their hikes that just like came over and helped us and it was this moment was sweet yeah it was it was amazing in this moment of like people want to help oh, yeah. yeah um doing the build right like there are so many resources we had in the community um, we talk about this all the time, but it really like blew my mind how two people who had zero experience could even get this done at all. Um, it's definitely not perfect. If you're, if you come in with like a ruler, everything's going to be a little wonky. We call it like our Dr. Seuss house, but it's fully functional. We have a stove, we have a shower, we have a toilet, we have a wa- water and a faucet that like gives us clean drinking water. Um, and even just being able to do this could not have happened without youtube and people who have been sharing their experiences online oh yeah and then you get out into the world and you realize there's just more people willing to help when shit hits the fan or like mud hits your wheels and keeps them spinning so it was really hard and then immediately inspiring and like gave us so much hope that this was like 
it's like van life in a nutshell. Like yeah. you realize how kind people are and how much people are willing to help. And I think that's why we all very much really enjoy and love the lifestyle so much. And we respect it so much is because you're really out there and you're constantly at bay of the kindness of strangers because like we're, we're living out in the open, you know? So it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. people are nice to you. It helps bring your experience up. And if people are negative to you, it's going to bring your experience down. So it's like, the fact that we're all out here doing it and loving it, you know, in the general sense of, you know, travel, uh, it, it really shows how kind the world is. And I think that's a perspective that a lot of us don't realize, you know, because yeah. we're here. You know, especially in like when you just like listen to the news and it's so depressing and you hear all these like horrible stories and then you do realize kind of in the day to day, people are, are people more are, good. Are good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you know, you have to, you know, take your normal precautions and stuff, but yeah. the, the vast majority of the world is, is is good, I believe. I mean, we've been in Mexico for three months now, and, like, everything you hear on the news is super negative about it, uh, right. like, and traveling down here, and we've had nothing but amazing experiences with the people, even with the police, and, like, you know, we've, we haven't had any bad experiences, when it, when it, like, if anything, people came to our rescue. Yeah. You know, like, it, it, it's been eye opening in the sense of like what you hear on the news compared to what's actually going on, you know? Totally. Yeah. We were actually just looking into it because we wanted to go to Baja at the end of the year and we saw there was like travel advisory. Um, but I think you have to always take that with a grain of salt and having traveled internationally a lot like when we were younger i think it does kind of open your eyes that you'll hear bad stories because that's what the news likes to focus on but most places are fine like people are living their daily lives there yeah mexico's a giant country full of people it's not just crime all the time and frankie you're from brooklyn right like brooklyn has crime non-stop i was living the there time. for two years in bed -Stuy. I remember downloading this crime app and I would thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, there was a stabbing a block away from you three hours ago. I'm like, I'm done with this because oh, you, yeah. unless you're like involved in some very shady business, you're usually fine or it's a one off terrible circumstance and you have to be safe. And this is probably where my paranoia comes from, but you also can't let it like prevent you from living your life. Absolutely. But also millions of people live in New York and yes. millions and of them survive every day. Yes. I was there I 13 did. years, never got mugs, never got held at gunpoint, nothing crazy. No, same here. Yeah. I know I people who have, but still it's like I mugged once in my you know my life of living there. And but was, you were there for and decades. Reali and realistically, <laughs> it was my it was my own fault, right? It was a block I was told not to walk down, I'm like about 16 years old at the time. And it's a block I wasn't supposed to really walk down because it's there's no street lights at all. You know, the, it's it's very dark. And I, as I was walking home, uh, this this one kid comes up and I see two of them. One's coming from this way. One's coming from this way. So they kind of corner me. And uh, the one says to me, uh, don't run because we'll catch you. And in my mind, I'm laughing. Because in my mind, I'm like, I run fucking cross country. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm literally, I was, a, I was an yeah. athlete, a runner. Like, I used to run, you know, 5Ks in under 17 minutes. Like, there's no way you're catching me. 
<laughs> and so uh and so the one kid went to like reach for me and when he went to reach for me i i had my hands in my pocket at first so when i pulled my hands out of my pocket uh like a couple dollars fell on the ground and that's yeah. basically what the mugging was but i pushed the one kid into the other and i took off running and as i'm running i hear them say holy shit he's fast <laughs> and i think to myself like Yo, I'm not stopping until I'm at my grandma's house. And like, I'm, running, I'm running through the projects, like to give you an idea, because my grandma lives in the projects. So I'm running into the project and I get there and I tell my brother what happened. And my brother's like, get in my truck right now. We're going to find them. <laughs> so like, you know, this, is a, this is the Brooklyn mentality. Now yeah. I get in the truck and we're going to find them. Oh we have a bat. Like we're ready to, ready to work these kids, you know? And, <laughs> But like regardless, like we never found them, you know. It is good, but yeah, because it would have been a really <laughs> bad situation if we found them, you know. So, totally. uh, you know, the the idea though is that like this doesn't happen all the time. It, it, no, no, I mean it doesn't happen all the time. Granted, there are certain blocks you shouldn't go down. Totally. Is that if you're aware of like the fact that there's like you know in Mexico, for instance, if there's um, two cartels or three cartels that are trying to take over an area, you know, you don't want to be in the middle ground. You want to no. be outside of it, you know? So it's, a, and the same happens in New York, like rival gangs, you know, yeah. and, and there's just places okay. you don't want to go. I remember walking through the pink houses and being just stared at the whole time. The pink house is like one of the most dangerous places in Brooklyn, but I have friends who live there. Like I used to go there to like go, you know, we would play organized football together. So I would go there to like meet up with them. And it's just like, everybody's staring at me because I'm the only white person there. They're looking at me like I'm a cop or like undercover or something. And then like, I get to my friend and then my friend tells them like, oh, this is my homie. Like, don't like, like, relax. You know? and then they all relax. But it's just a matter of like, you know, understanding your situation, understanding where that's you it. are. You that's, know? The, that's the biggest point. Like no area is like blanket bad you know like it, it, it's these small pockets and even then like most people are just like you know minding their own business i feel like a lot of crime comes out of um you know necessity or you know like desperate circumstances desperate circumstances um versus not being like bad people you know i would even say it's more like um drug related yeah oh, yeah. yeah yeah and a lot of if you're, like drug deals gone bad and or you know like you said uh, out of necessity like somebody's told to do something because their livelihood, you know, right. is in jeopardy. So, and you get wrapped up and it's really hard to get out. So like once yeah. you're in, and a lot of these, I feel like a lot of people start young and it's like, or like mm -hmm. they know somebody who ropes them in and then it's just as bad as like getting addicted to drugs where you're, you can't leave once you're in and it's really hard yeah. to escape. Um, but yeah, I think living in the city is definitely, it definitely shows you like, I can live in this city that everyone thinks is falling apart all the time. And it's not, this is my I, day to day. I'm on the subway. I'm doing my thing. And then you travel internationally and the same thing happens. So when we're in the van, I don't really feel unsafe. Like we have, I think all we have is like some pepper spray and maybe I shouldn't advertise this, but like we haven't and cookie. She also helps me feel a little bit safe. Like having a traditionally scary looking dog. Um, <laughs> When I was in Brooklyn, I definitely had members of gangs coming up to like talk shop about her and ask if I was going to breed her. And I 
I didn't know, but I, I felt like I was like with some tougher looking characters who probably would have scared others, but they had a bully breed and I had a bully breed. And so we were going to just hang out and talk about our dogs and it was awesome. Um, but I do know that like people, like my mom is always like, are you scared? Or there's people who, especially with like solo female van lifers are always telling them to be careful. And it's like, you guys got to be careful wherever you live. Doesn't matter. I think living in a van actually makes it safer because no one knows where we are at any given time. Mm-hmm. And you could always just up and leave if you don't and, know. Yeah. About. yeah, exactly. Super mobile. Yeah. So um, you guys, your goal was to visit all 50 states. Where mm-hmm. are you in that kind of adventure? 21 states. Yeah, in. we just hit 21. Yeah. yeah. Dang, dang, that's awesome. So we'll probably yeah. hit 25 within the year, maybe. Ah, we might hit 23 the way our plan is and then we have another 25 but we've done all of the east coast states and all that's left of east coast is uh maine and new hampshire um but yeah we're in vermont now so so closing in on like the last two but they're also the smaller states and so we think that our 50 state journey may take another two years yeah okay well, I mean, you're also working full time on the road, so yes. maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Does that make you travel a little bit slower? Are you kind of like, you know, staying in one spot for a full work week because you know you have internet, or like, how does that kind of impact your travel? Yes, yeah, so I think to start, we uh, we were moving like really fast. So like, our, our in uh, October of last year, uh, we hit like Virginia, and then kind of like moved like south. And for like a few months, we were just like rapid pace. Booking it. Yeah. Um, not staying anywhere for longer than like a night or two because, you know, we really like to utilize our weekends because that's those, you know, Saturday, Sunday are our two free days to really experience where we're at. Um, so during the week, we would be like maybe driving an hour, an hour and a half just to get ourselves situated so that when Saturday rolled around, we were like where we wanted to be to, you know, see whatever it was we wanted to see. Uh, but that like really burns you out. Oh my goodness. Um, it was, it was a lot. We got burnt out so quickly. We were then in Florida for two months. Um, cause we like needed to slow down. Florida also has three national parks and it's another, another side goal is to see every national park. Yeah. Um, and so with the way Andy's work schedule is, I wasn't, I was still not working at this time. Um, Andy's with Andy working full time, we had to like, wait to do everything and the tortugas is such a whole adventure in itself so we spent about two months in florida it's also a fairly big state and that was helpful um and then we like had to get back to the east coast for another wedding um which this is a few months like later yeah Um, so i at this point when we had to get back for the wedding um i think like we were like in arkansas so i had to go kind of like quick like arkansas through was it like Kentucky, Tennessee, Tennessee, Kentucky, West, West Virginia, Virginia. Uh, which again got kind of stressful because we were like moving a lot. So I think what we've decided, kind of like this summer, is that when we could help it, we want to try to just stay in a spot, uh, you know, for a week, like work the week, like from one place, or you know, maybe move once or twice. Like that's it. Um, now that we have Starlink, it's making it easier because another yeah, problem had been finding service uh the best places where you have cell service which if you are using hotspots you need good cell service especially with both of us then working 
it's like the ugliest part of town that has the best service or like the part of town that has all the people. So we were spending these weeks in shop and stop like parking lots or even planet. It was just like crowded. We're both trying to conduct video calls. Andy's hopping out of the van to take his calls. Cause I have to be on video. Yeah. And that's when Starlink really became more and more like of a necessity. So the last few weeks we spent one week in the Catskills working parked up at a beautiful lake. And this past week in the green mountains in Vermont, and we were able to park up at a campsite that had zero bars of service and just work the whole week and not move. And that has been so much better for our mental health, (laughs) for our sanity, because the daily moving is incredibly exhausting and it will wear on you, especially when you're then trying to like work full time, trying to chase service around. Now we have ability to get service when there is none and high speed internet on top of that. Which is so crazy that that's like an option, like in today's age. Um, Yeah, definitely a game changer. So I would say that we have, we did it wrong very early on. Ideally, we would spend our work weeks parked up in one spot where we have good service and can just stay put for free. Um, or if we have to pay a little bit for a campsite, fine. And then we try to make use of our weekends right now. That's our current schedule. And we're um, on track to move probably every week until we get out west. And then I'm sure once we're out west, it's going to be way different because the west coast is so much larger than the east coast. You could do Rhode Island in a weekend. You can't do California in a weekend, you know? No. And I don't think you guys did it wrong. I think you guys did it the way most people do it, where you like hit the road hard and fast. Yes. And you think you got to like yeah. keep moving. And you have this like vacation mindset rather than like, yeah, that's like good. mindset. And I think that changes a lot. Yeah. Like I know that when we used to go on vacation, it would be like, let's get everything in. Like, well, you only have a week and you got to go back to work or whatever. So it's like, I need to see everything in this town or this, you know, wherever before that I'm done. And depending on your job or not, you know, so much of a job, you only get two weeks of vacation a year, you know? So it's like to pack everything in and like one week here, one week there is it's exhausting, but it's easy. It's only two times a whole year, 14 days total. Now you're doing this 365 days. So it's like, all right, now I can slow down. I could enjoy, you know, this national park for 10 days if I want. Well, and I can also see how like being parked in a more remote place, especially with both of you working would be really nice because then you can actually live outside of your van a little bit more. You could open the doors. Set up like a little patio, you know, because often people say like, Oh, like I don't live in my van. I live like outside, outside of my van. But that when was you not have, it. Yeah. No. Like if you have to be on the internet and you have to be plugged in and you need service and you need all of these things. And, and then you have to be parked in the stop and shop parking lot. You can't just pop out your awning and like park, like work on your park chair. So when we were in Vermont, that's exactly what we did. I'm on video calls way more. So I tend to work from the van, but Andy yeah, I got the moonshade set up, yeah. had my camping chair, like my little table outside uh, for just like days on the whole week. It was, it was just amazing. like set up out there. Yeah. Uh, that, that was last it's, week really was our first time, like with the Starlink out like in the wilderness. And it was just such a game changer. So that's going to be more our focus now. And to your point, yeah, we were living like we were on vacation yeah, when we really were not. Point. It was now our lifestyle. We burnt out hard and fast. 
Yeah, um, we were trying to see like, you know, because we were like in Virginia. So like, what's all this tourist stuff in Virginia? Like Monticello, Jefferson's house. Let's go there. Uh, like UVA's campus. Let's see the campus. Let's, uh, you know, let's go to Virginia Beach. Let's go to Bush Gardens. Like we like uh, Richmond. We, we did so much stuff like in like a month's time. Uh, Shenandoah National Park. Like all, all of these things were just kind of crammed into like four weeks. I think. We flew too close to the sun. Yeah. Burn the candle well, both ends. It also gets really expensive, yeah. right? Because a lot of the oh like, admission fees or then you're paying to eat out or like whatever. Yeah. So then you're also burning through all of your money to try yeah. to do all of these things. We did a yeah. Disney vacation with me not working and it, it literally just working Jesus. on one income. Just and sapped all the money. In my head, I was like, but we live in a van now. It's going to be so affordable. And so you just go so hard in all these other ways because you are in these spots that for us, it was so driven around seeing all these states and we really wanted to experience them and go out. To, we love going out to eat. That's like our big vice. Yeah. Um, and so we went through our money really quickly. So that's why I'm back at work. Uh, <laughs> now I've got my full-time job too. Because it was kind of like, well, that, like something has to give. Um, and I got a great opportunity with the company I'd worked for before. And so it just made our lives a little bit more comfortable. Also at this time, you know, Ukraine and Russia are going to war and COVID inflation is at an all-time high. We were lucky that we were positioned in the southeastern states where gas never went above $4 an hour. Four dollars an hour. Four dollars an hour. It's kind of, kind of, you know, you can call it that. Um, and so it was affordable, but it was still pretty expensive, especially given we were moving at such a quick pace, right? Because if you want to save money, you can't go out to eat. You can't be doing $60 tours of antebellum houses. I don't know why we're doing that anyway. And um, you, you can't be moving as quickly. You have to be really like being conscious of how much you're moving your vehicle. And so we were doing none of those things yeah. and just burning through, burning through the money. I think it's a rookie mistake. Like right. I, I think we can get into it a little bit, you know, you, you learn, this is just, this is how life is. You don't need to see it all. Enjoy. Yeah. Like, you have to at. let things go. Yeah. Yeah. So that gas went from $4 an hour to $20 an hour when you were moving out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh my god we got up to the east coast and i was like oh i don't like this oh, it was no, like yeah. 450 a gallon and yeah I, still cheaper than out in california i think we have more in california when things got crazy and oh, what was the yeah. highest no. no, sorry we paid we paid i think it was eight dollars or oh, or seven dollars and eighty cents it was higher than minimum wage yeah, it's crazy. We were like, put two gallons in and well, we'll find another gas the station. The messed up part about yeah. that situation was that we were in the Mojave Desert, which, uh, you know, that it's going to be harder. To, it's going to be a higher price. It's like no one what. gas station in a hundred mile radius. But this was like a day or two before the war started and mm-hmm. a day or two before the prices inflated. Like So we could have got gas the day before for like $5 a gallon out there. And then it rose $3 a gallon in two days. Yeah. So it was like mind blown. We got just enough gas to uh, get us to Nevada and be able to fill up in Nevada because it was like 346 in Nevada. So it was like a huge difference in price, you know? But I think it's smart. Like we, I just made a TikTok the other day about like, if you want to save money living in a van, 
go to states where it's more affordable. Like yeah, do the absolutely. East Coast, do those Southern states that people don't think about. You don't have to be in California or the PNW to live in a van. You could literally like look at the map of the gas prices and go to the states where it's less expensive. I think it all kind of came from that TikTok that that girl was like, you know, you uh, all these van lifers, they're all trust fund babies because yeah. <laughs> you camp at Big Sur every night and we're like, First off, who's camping at Big Sur Sur every day? Nobody. I responded to that TikTok and I said, I think you guys forget what like is popular on the internet. All of us out here, I made a video about how hard things can be and how challenging it is and how it's not all this and that. It got a hundred views. And then I make a video like, here's our beautiful van. And that gets like 400,000 views. It's also kind of what picks up. People love the aesthetic still, I think. And so those videos do the best. And that's what people see. And then they're like, van lifers, they're all. I'm like, I don't know a single van lifer who doesn't also talk about the realities. Not why. And I don't know a single van lifer who has a trust fund. And honestly, I'm kind of pissed because I wish I had a trust fund. Because I don't like working very much. I'm going to be honest. And if I didn't have to work, I, I fucking wouldn't, but I have to. So I do. (laughs) I mean, I'll say enough to like, we enjoy working because we're making videos. It's fun. But at the same time, we would probably make only one video a week. If we didn't have to make the money that we need to make, we would probably, you know, take a bit more time and make sure everything was like really good and right. If we didn't have, well, to or then the you don't have to think about it every single day. Like, okay, like, did we edit this? Do we have that? Do we have the footage? Did we do the podcast? Did we do the thing? Did we reply to the brand email? Like, there's so many things that go along with it. Right. But yeah. it, it has to be your job then. And so I was doing, you know, I was trying to do social media too, and I found it very hard. And I was like, you know, I think I need to like reevaluate. Um, I really love posting on social media, but in order to make it a business, you have to be very strategic very entrepreneurial and that's very stressful because yeah. it's mm-hmm. incredibly difficult to make um it is difficult to make it a job and so props to you i mean it is really hard work so yeah, just because it's not a traditional nine to five doesn't mean it, it can't be like hard or difficult and if you did have a trust like if we did have trust funds then we could just do it for pleasure and you wouldn't have to be stressed yeah. about it the way right. you are with a regular job Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, the benefit, I mean, obviously you're working 40 hours or whatever. And so you're giving up that time to the job, but then hopefully at 5 PM, you could shut your laptop and not think about it until the next day. You know, like sometimes obviously that's not always the case and like things spill over and whatever, but you know, they're not paying for your time. So you could literally just shut it down. Whereas if you're trying to do the social media thing, there's always a comment. There's always a thing. There's always an email and it's your business. So you're like, Oh, I'm replying to emails at midnight because I feel like I have to. Well, and at any given moment, you could just be outside and there's like that perfect moment. You're like, I have to film now, even though like realistically, you probably should just be enjoying it. You know, so it's like, where's this work balance of life and work? You don't have it as much as when you have a regular nine to five. Yeah, because, you know, you have to create that for yourself where the regular nine to five, it's already created for you in a sense. There are definite like pros and cons to both, right? I I enjoy being creative. And so like, I still try to do social media even with my nine to five um, with less of a emphasis on like, I need to be making X amount of money from this a week. 
Um, but you're right. Like it is nice to just be like, I'm getting paid. I clock in, I clock out, I'm paid. I don't have to film this. I don't have to film that. Whereas before I was like, I need to film this. I need to film that. Like I need to create, I need to be doing all of this. And it becomes all consuming. It's like you're 24 seven as opposed to your nine to five. Um, but you know, you also then get to do more of what you love and you have a more flexible schedule and um, you kind of get to create that for yourself. So there's pros and cons to everything. One thing I've learned is that the universe has this really awesome way of providing equilibrium with mm-hmm. like whatever your choice is. You know, I talked about this in, in a recent TikTok, which is like you pursue your dream and you expect it to kind of like solve all of your problems, but it you still have problems. You have new problems, maybe. And you can be very grateful for the life, but you, it's not like all fun all Mm. the time. That's life. Always balance it out with something else. Yeah. We love van life and it has gotten hard. We've had like our hiccups. We've had our moments of like, can we just, can I just poop in a toilet that flushes, please? Like, (laughs) um, but I also don't think we could ever live in a house full time and not want to be traveling or seeing things because to us, it's It's super important. It's like the most important thing. Um, Life is really too short. And that's something that has hit home for both of us in different ways. Um, And the, you like, well, I've lost multiple friends before the age of like 25, 26 due to cancer, due to overdoses. And it really just like, hit home that I have this much time and like, how do I want to use it? And I want to like block out all the noise with what everyone says I should be doing and just really focus on how to make the most of it. Um, Cause I know it's not guaranteed. Yeah. And did you have a similar experience uh, on like the time aspect of life? Yeah. So in my life, um, four or five years ago, man, I'm so bad with like dates and time. But uh, yeah, I lost my mom to uh, brain cancer. And actually, like a year later, our mutual friend, one of my best friends from college, died of, of brain cancer as well. Actually, like the same like kind, glioblastoma. Uh, um, so yeah, kind of like for me, almost like that double tap of, of kind of heartbreak. Um, yeah, it really made me like reevaluate, like what are the things that really give me joy in life? Uh, and to focus on those things. And for me, it really was you know, simple as it sounds, travel. I, I, I love travel. Always, always have like, you know, since being a kid. Uh, so yeah, kind of like in this time, that's when I like decided, like, I really just want to like dedicate a lot of time in my life towards, towards traveling. Yeah. Um, well, first yeah. and foremost, I'm super sorry to hear about your mom and losing. Oh your mom. yeah. Thanks oh, yeah. Your I know, and your friends as well. And you know, the, you know, the shortness of life for a lot of people. I personally have lost my dad too about five mm-hmm. years ago, around about the same time. Uh, and his was to emphysema, you know, and, you know, possibly lung cancer, you know, type of stuff, but it's amazing how like something so dramatic changes your trajectory and like your thought process on what life really is. And in a sense, it's like a blessing in disguise because it allows you to live the life that you truly want to. Absolutely. And I don't know if I would have like put myself on this path, if it wasn't for those tragedies. Um, you know, I, I was living in Astoria, Queens and, and going to work every day. And I don't know, I, I think at the time I just figured like that, that was it. And I didn't, 
If you're enjoying all the information that you're getting on this podcast, you're going to love our van life book. This book is going to take you from thinking and dreaming about van life to buying your rig, building it out, and everything that you need to know about being on the road, living van life full time. If you want to pick it up, it's available as a Kindle download on Amazon, and we would so appreciate your support. Link in the description below. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it either. Um, but yeah, going through something traumatic like that really makes you evaluate like, you know, what really matters and what like brings you joy every day. Um, I think it also takes away a lot of the fear of yeah. like, oh, like I'm not living a traditional life anymore. Like what will people think? It's like, who, who cares? cares? Yeah, that's a big part of it too. I feel like I watch my parents live traditional lives and be very unhappy in various forms. And so from a young age, I was like, mm, I don't want to do that. Like, I think that's why I went to school for musical theater because I loved it and wanted to do that. Like I, it's a great college time it, came and I was like, what do I love doing the most? Singing and dancing. Can I go to school for it? Yes. Cool. Let's do that without really thinking too far down the road. Like, yeah. What it is. Degree. Like I have a job that pays really well now. I like found a new skill later on when I decided I didn't want to pursue it as you like a professional learn, actress. Learn new things. Yeah. And I never regret it because I had so much fun in college and really got to do what I loved for this period of time until I didn't love it anymore. And then I stopped and I pivoted. I think that's a big part of life is like, you know, life changes for you and the things that you love change with it. Like, you know, when you're a kid growing up, you might like this sport or you might like to color, you know, hopscotch <laughs> might be your thing. You know what I'm saying? But over time, hopscotch changes to like hanging out with friends. And then that changes to, uh, you know, dance maybe or whatever, you know, and life is meant to change. That's what keeps it fun. That was, that's what keeps it like uh, exciting. You I know? think though, as we become adults, it becomes less, des- I don't know, like, or like just like i don't know i want to say like people like frown upon like career changes or like you know like trying new hobbies or getting into different things but like all these different things that you're trying might just be leading you to the thing that you ultimately really enjoy and then that might lead you to something else that you enjoy even more and like i think that's kind of van life for a lot of people is that all of these things conspired in a way to like get you to go from like having zero experience to building a van and like who knows how long you're going to be in the van but like all the people that you meet and all the experiences that you have and all the places that you see are all teaching you new things so that you know two three years from now your life has just taken a completely different trajectory than it would have if you stayed in queens yeah we absolutely i had not seen a single national park before hitting the road in the van not one because I grew up my, my mom's from Brooklyn my dad's from the Bronx we didn't go camping you know no. but you don't do that Not a thing, man. <laughs> so I think the first time I ever went camping was like my late 20s and it was like a beach in Madison Connecticut that was like also not primitive um and so Shenandoah was my first national park and now we've been to nine we're about to see 10 yeah, yeah. and it we did it in less than a year that is not possible if we weren't living in a van and yeah, we, we did it a little bit less budget friendly than some, but we still have been able to save a ton of money because we weren't shelling out 30, 40% of our paycheck to rent off the top. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you can make it as affordable or unaffordable as you like, 
our mm-hmm. basic costs, like our monthly um, utilities are so very low and the rest we get to make up and we get to put it to traveling. And so it'll always be worth it to me, even if I have to poop in a bucket. Yeah. Heck yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting though. Work. Um, like when you said the, the, like how uh, affordable or unaffordable you want to make it, um, you know, everybody's budget is different. You know, you guys both work two full-time jobs. So you're di- your budget's going to be different than the person who works a part-time job or like just goes and works like three, you know, three months a year to make enough money for their lifestyle in general. So everybody's budget's going to be different. It's about finding people who might be similar to what your circumstances and then saying, okay, you know, where, where do I spend my money? How do I spend it? How do I make enough money to have all those things that I like to do? You know, I think that's the breakdown that a lot of people need to have in order to like know what they need to make to like spend and be able to stay on the road. And working on the road is challenging. We only get our weekends. And if you've had a really rough week, I had, I had a really rough week last week and it was like Friday, I'm exhausted. Maybe I get to enjoy Saturday night, Sunday morning before I'm starting to like have the Sunday scaries and feel anxious about what's coming. Mm -hmm. So for people who want to save up a chunk of money and then go travel and have more of a like long-term vacation type experience, that's very valid and like makes sense. It it really depends. Yeah. I think it just comes down to like, yeah, I I think you really do need to think like what matters to you, like what kind of experiences like you want to have and then like create a life like around that, Um, which I think Frankie's like comment you were getting at a little bit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think that's, that's our important. biggest expense right now is probably eating out. I think. Yeah. Cause we'll drop like a few hundred at dinner, which is, we did last night. Um, hard not to. To. Huh? you know, it's, I said, it's hard not to, you get an appetizer, an entree, you know, things just like spiral out of control. We were talking yeah. yesterday about how grateful we are to be in Mexico. We're like, we can go for dinner for two with like, a giant meal and it's like 20 bucks we went for oh, breakfast God, coffees, awesome. coffees breakfast uh dinner for two we actually even had a little bit of like a lunch out and we had drinks last night with some friends and the whole day cost us 50 dollars. that is disgusting yeah it was delicious by the way so not disgusting that was like when i did i did a backpacking trip with my friends in my early 20s to southeast asia and that was like food there was like so cheap most places that's the other thing about international travel is like a lot of places are way more affordable than america so you pay for like maybe a ticket and you're set we actually when I, we were in Peru going back to like our early dating months, we went to um, Central, which is a world-renowned Peruvian chef. It seats 10 every night. And I think our whole bill for like a 12-course meal was under $300, right? Yeah, that's amazing. To go to the top five best restaurant in the world yeah, at that time. That was pretty nuts. We'll drop that on like a random spot because we went and we had like wine and like too many appetizers with friends. Right. Like, I think we went out with our friends in Connecticut and like the bill was almost that. And yeah. it's like for not as good food, not as many courses. Um, it's just yeah. cheaper other places. So you think about a spot in Brooklyn, that's like right under the bridge there, the river cafe, you guys know what I'm talking about. 
bridge there's a spot called the river cafe and we went there one night my parents were in town and they took us out because i was like i can't afford this meal and like alex's mom and dad like a fixed thing kind of like you know the corpses and whatever alex's mom and dad are very much foodies like how you guys are so they're like we'll splurge to experience (laughs) something you know so we went there and i think it was like i don't know 800 to a thousand dollars for the four of us you know and it was yeah it was our friends are tapping on the window. Uh, we went to go for brunch this morning, and I think Frankie didn't let them know that we had the I, podcast. I forgot about the podcast, honestly. Special guests? Paco's excited. All right. This little guy. We met in Guanajuato and uh, we just happened to be kind of on a similar trajectory. And they actually the people that we went out with last night. That's oh, nice. Are they yeah. other van lifers? Where are they from? Yeah. So they're van lifers. Uh, they were both working full time, but she actually just recently quit her job also. Mm. So he's working full time. They're from like the uh, San, Francisco San Francisco area. area. So they're on like a three or four month trip that might now get extended a little bit longer, just like all of Mexico um, and then heading back. So, yeah, it's exciting. It's cool to like meet people on the road. How, like, have you guys met a lot of friends? I know we're probably like maxed out on time, but like, how has your experience been in like meeting other nomads? I know they say the East Coast is like less nomad, yeah. so like maybe less people, less, you know, community. But how have you found it? We met a lot when we were in, um, like, we met our friends, uh, uh, Tabitha from Don't Quit Your Daydream in Charleston. They're kind of based there, um, along with Stella the Van, Lauren. Um, they were, she, she was also based there. Her family's from there. So, like, Charleston, Georgia, Florida, we were meeting people. And then once we kind of hit the Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, actually in Mississippi, we um, had the opportunity to stay with friends of ours who are building out a bus, um, honeymoon dockers, Emily and Joe. And that was amazing. That was like the highlight of Mississippi for us because we, frankly, the state is exactly what you think of when you think of Mississippi for the most part. Um, They were in the South in this like really beautiful Airbnb and had this whole open yard. And so that was awesome. Um, I, I think, yeah, like most of the meetups we've had have been with people we've like met like online and just kind of like found out that they're in the area. It's so, like a perfect time to meet up versus like, I'm curious because you guys have done more like out West um, where maybe it happens more organically. Right. Where you we always to have to pre-plan it. Like it's not very, oh, we're running into someone in a parking lot and then having an evening. Yeah. Um, it's always been very planned but i feel like out west you're just always running into other van lifers kind of mixed like we also meet a lot of people that we've met on the internet like if we were ever traveling and we were like oh my god andy and laura close by like we'll like drive an hour to like make it happen oh yeah sure but then like i think more so in the beginning of our travels like in like 2019 2020 everybody was like looking to like meet, you know? So like we would be in a parking lot and run over and be like, Hey, new friends. I was like, 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 like the, very excited. I was also like the mayor of the parking lot in a sense. Like I would go up and I was like, <laughs> anytime I would see all the bands, I would like throw a sticker on the rig. And like, you know, then if I seen them like kind of come out, I would like walk over and be like, Hey, I'm the one who put the sticker up there, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, just like kind of uh, <laughs> let them know, like, uh, you know, it's not weird, like, you know, type of thing, you know, just trying yeah. to do it myself. And 
then we would make a random friend, you know, and they might be going in the same direction as us and we would hang out for a week or two and so on and so forth. And then we would be like, go, we were also doing a lot of van tours at the time. So we were kind of like setting up van tours. Like trying to meet new people. Trying to meet new to people. get a van to tour. put on like YouTube and like help them grow type of thing. And right. then, uh, which helped us grow ultimately as well. And um, we were doing so- stuff like that. So there was quite a bit of like reaching out, but then that would turn into like, hey, we're going to go to the hot spring. You want to come? And then next thing you know, there's like five other rigs there. You know, it's like small, these like small little like intimate type of meetups. And then um, we met a lot of people organically on the road, just like traveling. But then like most of the people that we would hang out for long periods of time would be more of like somebody that we've been in contact with on Instagram for a little while. I feel like it kind of like switched. Like once we got back on the road with Olive, it tended to be more either like a van life meetup Meetups. or an Instagram friend. What, what would or happen, TikTok or what would happen a lot of the time too is like at the meetup, a group of people would decide to like leave the meetup kind of together and like hang out and chill and right. have a party like out in BLM somewhere and then like, you know, clean up and leave. And then when that bigger group would disperse, it would turn into like five or six, like, like micro groups, micro kind camper, of going in the same you know, direction, caravanning situations. And you would kind of find awesome. your people. You would like, it's almost like niching down, but like yeah, you, were, right. you were friending kind of down to like who your group of people is. And that's like when we were hanging out with like Sarah Yak and Tio Ventura and, you know, Abby, Abby Abigail Martin and like, you know, all oh, these yeah. people. You know, these are like uh, some of our really close friends now that we stay in contact with all the time. And then like we went to a moon event um, because Stokeloaf told us about it. And we're like, you're in the same area. You might as well just come. And we have a moonshade and we like have an affiliate type of thing. So we're like, ah, whatever, we'll go there. And then at the event, we didn't really know who was coming, but Megan and Matt wound up being there. So yeah, we yeah. We, we uh, got to meet Trent and Allie over there, which was super cool because they're like kind of the the people that are like the forefront of like van like life. Like we were watching yeah, them. Yeah, they were the vanguard. And, you know, they were super cool. Megan and Matt was super cool. Yeah, and then all the other people there, we actually kind of already knew from other meetups. And like we were already like really close friends with a lot of the people who were there. But so I think was, once you get on the West Coast and you start going to more events and stuff like that, then yeah, that's where yeah. you kind of end up meeting people. Like I think the day, well, I mean, maybe not, but like our days maybe of meeting random, like great friends in parking lots, that doesn't happen <laughs> that often. Any, as much anymore. Yeah. yeah. And but, I feel like it was in the beginning of our travels, it happened a lot more. But I will say that like, you. you know, within the time that we've been in our new van, we've been, as far north as Alaska, where you're not finding that as much anymore. Uh, where, I mean, we did meet like Bound for Nowhere in Alaska. Yeah. Um, I think we also, we tend to travel places where nobody goes when we're going. Like we went to Alaska this summer that nobody could really drive to Alaska because Canada was closed. Correct. And then we're like, oh, let's go to Mexico in May and spend the yeah, summer there. Nobody's going. Where everybody goes in like we're December. All yeah. So, but the interesting part is everybody was worried about like heat and temperature. Meanwhile, we spent most of our times in the mountains and it's temperatures like Colorado. You know, it's like right. it was yeah, cooler in Colorado it, it was, when it, we were talking to our friends there. It was cooler oh, sorry, in Mexico. than it was in Colorado when we were talking to our friends. Yeah, so we like, were having 
I was talking to you on Instagram, like we've been up in New England where this is probably like some of the nicest temperatures in the country that you'll find. And we got heat, like it got so hot in Massachusetts. We had to get a hotel. Oh my God. And I remember looking at like the weather app, like this is like so ridiculous. Uh, like, yeah, like Miami was like colder than where we were like outside of Boston. And I was like, this isn't right. This isn't like what this we, is... what we trying to, trying to accomplish. Climate here. changes. I remember saying to you though uh, that it was like 78 degrees during the day for us and it was 50 at night. And you're like, what? You know, yeah, it was 90 90 during the day and 85 at night. It became like a health hazard for a cookie because she yeah. like, will overheat. And we always said if it like puts her in danger, we'll just shell out the money for a hotel. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 All right. Well. I feel like we we could talk for like a yes. whole other hour. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, because you guys are awesome and it's so easy to talk with you. Yeah. Um, we're, looking for, we're looking forward to the day that we get to actually hang out for a little while. Oh, so it's coming. That's the other I don't know part, when, though. but that, that day is coming. That's the part sure. about van life, friends, is you're always on the move. And so sometimes your paths will cross and then like you might not see them for a year or like you guys, I feel like we've been talking for years and one day we will meet up. We'll be on the same coast same part of the world for sure um but thank you so much for having us absolutely final question if you have advice for anybody who's thinking about getting on the road what would your like little nuggets of wisdom be don't listen to the naysayers it's such a customizable lifestyle you can do whatever you want with it and so just like try to listen to everyone and see how people are doing it and pick the pieces that work for you and take it there's no one size fits all. And I think it is such a good experience, whether you do it for six months or three years, it doesn't matter. It'll teach you so much about yourself and give you so many amazing life experiences. Yeah. And I think mine would be, you know, hard times are going to come. Uh, it, it could be something as dumb as like not being able to find service or something as serious as, I don't know, like your, um, electric system shuts your down. electric system shuts down. Uh, but it's all just a part of the experience, you know, don't get like too bent out of shape about it. Like just kind of roll, roll with the flow and you know, uh, it, it all works out in the end. So in life, you have to roll with the punches and in van life, you definitely have to roll with those punches. Yeah. 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 I love it. Great advice. Thank you guys so much again for being on the podcast. Andy and Laura, you guys are amazing. And like I said, we can't wait for the day that we actually get to hang. Um, yeah, it's going to be a really good time. I feel like it will. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. Go enjoy Mexico and, and hanging out with your friends. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and enjoy the East Coast and your last couple of states over there. We're excited yeah. to see yeah. the rest of the adventure. Thank you so much. <laughs> I absolutely loved having this conversation with Andy and Laura. They're such amazing people. I feel like we could laugh and talk literally all day. Yeah, I think when we get around the campsite, like we said, it's going to be like at 4 a.m. Like, oh, my God, we have to shut this down because we could all just like talk into infinity. So it's really nice to actually connect with them. Obviously, you know, we DM and we, you know, comment on each other's stuff all the time, but it's totally different to actually have a conversation. Yeah, you really find out whether or not like these are your peeps or not. You know, they, they really felt like our peeps. I feel like that if we were just in New York and we were in the hustle and bustle, they would be people we would hang out with. For sure. But the whole thing is that van life brought us all together. And I think that that is one of the really cool things about this lifestyle is that it really helps you find 
people who are like-minded, who have similar interests, who want to do kind of some of the things that you want to do that you can really connect with on another level. Because, you know, by all of us choosing to live differently, to live nomadically, we automatically have something in common. And also our mindset to get to that decision is often pretty similar. And I think that we all don't really care about the things in life that matters to a lot of people in stationary homes. It used to matter to us, you know, like you know, the whole shower situation or where we're pooping or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. th- th- like where, where, or like how nice is the thing that you own or how new is your refrigerator? I think for a lot of us, we're just looking to explore life and see what life has to offer for all of us. And we're all looking for experience and how to, how to heighten that experience. And, you know, since we're out here on the road and we're doing it and the places and the things are changing all the time, it makes it, almost easier to get like into deeper conversation with one another and really figure out, you know, if they're your people or if like they, we enjoy the same things, we want to hang out and continue to do more. And everybody in the van life community, I feel like gives others a chance or an opportunity because we're very much interested in life out there. And that's not to say that you're going to totally mesh with every single van lifer that you meet. You know, we've definitely met van lifers that we were like, cool, nice to meet you. Have a great life. Bye. You know, and it's just, you know, there's going to be people. I think we kind of talk about it like you like niche down into your group. Like there's that big group and then you find some people that are more like you and then you find like your people. Right. Not to say that there's not like any drama either as well, because there's always some type of drama no matter what you do. It just depends on if you want to keep that drama in your life or not. So you could walk away from those things if you need to as well. Yeah. Or drive away. <laughs> yeah, you just beep beep. I'm out of here. <laughs> that would be a funny TikTok. Like how I deal with drama. Yeah. So, anyways, I think one of the big things that Andy and Laura talk about, well, mostly Laura online, is the whole aspect that van life also isn't going to solve all of your problems. Mister Paco is ready to play. Give me the papa. Paco's tap dancing. When you move into a van and you get on the road, things that have worried you or bothered you or stressed you out don't necessarily all go away, especially because, you know, now you have to figure out how to make money in a different way and you have to, you know, deal with new challenges and all this like decision fatigue. And I think a lot of people overlook the fact that, you know, mental health, things like depression and anxiety, they don't just go away because you moved into a van. Honestly, it might make it kind of worse being isolated and having to make all of these like what feel like really big decisions all the time. Like, where am I going to sleep? Yeah. And even things like if you're trying to start like an online type of business and you're trying to be like an influencer, as they say, you might even come across having something like imposter syndrome, you know, where you feel like that you're not who everybody thinks you are, but yet you know that you're doing these things and you're influencing people in this way and it just doesn't feel real. But meanwhile, you're trying to tell them all the right things. You're telling them your experiences, but it's very easy to have this feeling of like, am I actually this person? Or am I good enough or knowledgeable enough or, you know, smart enough or traveled enough to be sharing advice? And I think everybody's got to kind of come to their own realization that, 
you know, we're all each incredibly unique, incredibly special, incredibly, you know, it's amazing that any of us even exist. And the chances of each of us existing as human beings, the chances of that are like 0.000000. Like all of the stars had to align for each of us to be here on this planet. <laughs> and or I think come we, together because we're made of stardust. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just. We neglect the fact that everybody has information to share. And if you're, you know, three steps on the road ahead of somebody else, you can help somebody that's three steps behind. Yeah. And I'll say like the word of advice or the thing of advice that I could give to you, I think would be is like to really dig deep within yourself, whether you're living nomadically or just sitting at home, you know, or working, you know, at your desk, whatever, wherever you are. Dig deep within yourself and figure out the things that, you know, have damaged you and, because we all have things that have damaged us through life, you know, and figure out a way to come to terms with it, accept it, realize that it's built the person who you are today. And if you didn't have those things happen in your life, you wouldn't have had this outcome of, you know, transforming into the person you are. So just realize that it's, it's, it's beautiful. And it's, you know, it sucks that we all had to go through these things, but it's things that have built who we are today, you know? So just dig deep, accept those things, let them go. They don't matter anymore in a sense. You know, they, what matters is your future and your life and, you know, trying to bring joy and happiness to people and yourself, you know, mostly yourself. And sometimes your things don't align with others and that's okay. If you're not bringing joy or happiness to those particular people, maybe it's time to break away, you know, and, or if you're, bringing joy and happiness to people and they're bringing joy and happiness to you, those might just be your people. Yeah, I think there's a lot of nuggets in there that are really powerful. First off, you are not the things that have happened to you. Things happen to everybody every day and either, you know, we grow from them and we learn from them or we wallow in them. And I think that both, um, you know, all of us have experienced really significant loss in our life. And that's one of the things that, you know, especially you losing a parent yeah. and Andy losing a parent. That's yeah. a very, you know, especially at such a young age, like you expect to lose your parents when they're like 90 or 100. But and to... Andy and I lost our parents around about the same exact time, you know. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things that you have to learn how to deal and cope with. Life goes mm -hmm. on. Your parent would want you to be happy. They would want you to be healthy. They would want you to thrive and you know, succeed in life. That's, that's what parents want for you, you know? So I think for me and for Andy, what kind of put us on this path and this journey, you know, is the passing of the parent, you know, realizing life is short, realizing that we should be living life and not, you know, in life to work, to live, you know? Yeah, of course you got to work and make money, but at the same time, you know, we live above our means every day, you know, and we don't have to, you know, it's what we choose to do because it's what society kind of tells us we need to do, you know? So I, I think that van life has helped me realize that I don't need to, you know, live beyond my means in a sense. Well, I think it also teaches you what are your means yeah. because when you live in a home and you're hanging out with all of these people who have nicer TVs or they've got the latest gaming system or they've got, you know, whatever and, you know... It's just, it makes you feel like you need those things too, or you should want those things too, or that's the metric of success. Whereas when you move into a van and you literally 
don't have space and can't own any of these things, it really makes you see that, like, I don't need any of that. But also at the same time, if that's your priority, if that's what makes you happy, you could still have those things in the van or in the bus or whatever it is that you're doing in life. Like you have one of those small little uh, Nintendo things that they have nowadays. I don't oh, even know yeah. what they're called. Well, but then it's more about value to you and enjoyment for you than just keeping up with somebody else. Correct. Or buying the thing that you think that you need to be happy. Because I find often, I mean, when we used to live in a house... You would think about something and be like, oh, I really need that. And then you would order it on Amazon and then it would get there two days later and you'd be like, okay, cool. And you're not actually that happy about it or that excited about it, but you've spent 20, 30, a hundred dollars, whatever. Or you're like, what did I need this for? Right. But then like when you live in a van and you're like, oh, I could use that thing. You don't buy it because you can't buy it. And then you forget about it. And then your life continues on. And then if it comes up again, you're like, oh, you know what? That thing actually would be really helpful. Then you're like, okay, maybe I do actually want to make this purchase. But it's a more thoughtful, mindful way of acquiring things Mm. rather than just being like, oh, I need that. Or I think that I need that. Or somebody else has that and it looks cool, so I'm going to buy it. And then at the end of the month, you're like, why is my credit card bill so high? Right now I'm having this thought of the aspect of like, you know, us buying things online and whatnot. We're creating all this garbage, right? Yeah. And sometimes when you're buying all those things, and like even if you don't really need it, you feel like you might need it, whatever it is, you're actually creating more garbage in your life. You know, it's not only you're not only are you discarding more garbage, but you have more crap around you. Yeah. One of the favorite quotes I heard when we were um, moving out of our apartment in New York City was that all of the stuff that's around you used to be money. Like, everything that you own in your home, all of the tchotchkes, all of... I mean, obviously, some things are passed down from generation to generation, and they're sentimental things and whatever. But, like, everything that you own used to be money. And so, it could be money again by you selling it. And that's what we did when we moved into the van. We sold so much stuff. But it was literally... I was looking around the house, and I was like, I didn't need to spend that $20 on this thing. Well, and realistically, we've gotten our value out of it. So, like, everything that you're selling at that point is pure profit because you've gotten your value out of it. If it costs you 100 bucks at the time, you've used it $100 worth of the time. Well, hopefully. Some hopefully. of the things you yeah. probably bought, you never even used Well, I think time. that comes back to the whole waste aspect, you know, of, like, you know, if you didn't need it and you bought it, you've created waste. For nothing. Yeah, for nothing. And you've, and you've spent money. You know, and I think it's a little bit of a problem with the consumer, you know, ideology that we have today. It's okay to be a consumer, but at the same time, it comes to a point where we consume too much. So I guess our homework for this week, if you live at home and you're looking around and you're seeing all of your stuff, maybe that's some stuff that you could turn into money. I was actually talking to my friend, um, Linda, and she's like, oh, I want to like, they have a fifth wheel and she would love to move into it full time and blah, blah, blah. Um, But she was getting some resistance about selling everything and, you know, uh, from her partner. And so it was like, uh, and I was like, why don't you just start with your stuff? Yeah. Start with your kids' stuff. Yeah. You know, like, are there toys that they're not using anymore that they don't need? Sell them. Do you have clothing that you don't wear anymore or stuff in the kitchen that you don't use anymore or whatever? Like, do your stuff. If your partner is not ready to get on board with, like, selling everything that you own and moving into a van, start proving that, you know, your stuff is valuable and can be money. And then, you know, you've made $1,000 from clearing out junk from your house. And even if you never move into a van, that's a good thing to do. 
Yes, and I would even go as far as to say is like I wasn't necessarily on the, you know, it was hard for me to get rid of things. Let's just put it that way. But once I started doing it, it almost, I almost felt a little bit addicted to it. I felt like we could get away, we could get rid of almost everything. At oh first. yeah, I was like, I was like, gone, gone, gone. You, you, your mindset changes from like, oh, this might be important someday to like, hell no, I don't need this. I'm turning it into money. I'm going to donate it. I'm going to get rid of it. This yeah. is not valuable to me anymore. I mean, somebody else it would be valuable to. Uh, sure. Valuable to. But, uh, you know, for us, we realized even when we got on the road, we were giving away more things because we didn't need them. Yeah. You know, and the people that we were giving them away to were so thankful for them. Yeah. And even before we left, like big furniture and stuff, like we had friends come over and be like, oh, yeah, like I definitely want that mirror. I definitely want that desk. I definitely, yep. you know, like not everything we could sell, but we could give it to somebody else and, you know, add some value in their lives. And hopefully they're still using those things and enjoying them. Yeah, for sure. And it was just amazing having this conversation with you guys as well as having this conversation with Andy and Laura. You definitely go check them out for sure. Uh, we love them as people. I can't wait to meet them in IRL, you know, because <laughs> that's when you really get to know people. And that's when you really get to bond even more. Yeah. And so we would love to hear from you guys. Be sure to drop a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Paco really needs to go outside. I think he's leaving a five-star review right now. Oh yeah. This is his comment. He's saying, great work guys. <laughs> yeah. He gets so excited about the podcast that he just wants to let all his energy out. All right, guys, we love you so much and we hope you have an FNA day. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life. All right. All right.